welcome to Change Redefining Success, the podcast designed to inspire you and give you actionable information to enhance, up-level, reimagine, and reinvent your life and your livelihood. I'm your host, First Class Life Mentor and Certified Profiting from Your Passions Coach, Kate Fessler. My guest today is Kindy Dulay-Gill. Kindy is a former CEO responsible for 3,000 people who understands intimately the demanding pressures and grueling stress of managing corporate life with home life. She is a chartered accountant with over 30 years of experience in leadership and change management, and today is a sought-after professional speaker and transformation catalyst. She is the founder of Spark Expansion Consulting, a board director for the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers Vancouver chapter, and a facilitator of the groundbreaking self-empowering Dalian method. Kindy specializes in bringing revolutionary improvements in psychological health and well-being into the home and workplace so that peace and fulfillment can be felt within. She helps people to achieve lasting personal transformation for human wholeness through increased self-awareness, elimination of unconscious bias, and improved em- emotional intelligence. Kindy's workshops teach you how to build bridges where relationships need nurturing. She awakens you to a new form of communication in your head that drives tw- trustworthy and authentic connections. Kindy teaches you how to tap into your most productive, energized, and cooperative self, all while transforming stress, worry, guilt, and fear forever. Bringing peace to your life is the overall objective, along with total fulfillment. When not helping her many clients, Kindy enjoys spending time with her constantly transforming family of three children and husband of 30 years. She chooses to refresh and have fun behind a camera taking photographs or on a dance floor moving to the beat. In her quiet, reflective moments, Kindy enjoys writing poetry and spending time meditating. Kindy now lives in Vancouver and travels worldwide, helping people to evolve into greater consciousness and self-awareness expansion. Welcome, Kindy. Thank you, Kate. You are a chartered accountant, which seems like a pretty solid career. What made you choose that field? Um, that's actually quite bizarre. It was one of those, you know, that you get, when you're a child, you get those um, sort of like a list of all the careers that are apparently available on the planet. And I remember mm-hmm. leafing through this book page by page by page. And under chartered accountancy, it said, the world is your oyster if you go Ooh. down this professional <laughs> route. <laughs> and I remember that being one of the key lines that really grabbed me as being, okay, this might be what I want. And obviously, I was very good at maths and uh, had a mathematical head. So it seemed to be a good fit for me at that time. Mm. Well, you used to be a CEO of a company with 3,000 employees. That seems like everyone's definition of success. How did you get there? And what was that like for you? Um, Well, I got there. I think much of what happens in our career is sort of like a path that figures itself out for us, even though we haven't got any preconceived ideas of where we're really heading as such. So I qualified as a chartered accountant, became um, a management consultant, worked in corporate finance, and it was quite bizarre. There was a client that we had that uh, needed a review taking place, and the bank was trying to decide whether they should carry on funding this organization or not. And I was sent the task of going off and doing the review, which took a few months. And part of that was to create a new management team. That was part of my suggestion. And unbeknown to me, the owner then said, well, can you be part of this management team 
that you're suggesting that we should change to. And I was only 25 years old at the time. And I was like, okay, this is quite early on in my career. I really didn't want to leave the corporate finance world. But at the same time, it seemed like an opportunity worth going for. Mm-hmm. And so originally, I became their finance director, um, just seconded for a short while for six months, and thought I was then going to be leaving and going back into my professional life. But then that six months ended up becoming 17 years. And um, I went on to becoming finance director itself, and then a few years in, became their chief executive. Mm. It wasn't pre-planned at all. <laughs> so you spent 17 years there, though, you said. In that organization, I spent 17 years, and we went from being a loss-making company that the bank was thinking that they ought to pull the plug on um, with no systems, no real organization, years and years behind with their accounting, um, and um, sort of like a crisis management type approach on handling everything. There was, there was not, no logical way of actually handling things in a professional way. And we completely transformed it. It was like a very, very, very exciting time of my life. And um, we went on to becoming, well, I think we probably grew about five times over in that time. The turnover was um, exponential, the growth in that time. Um, we changed all the systems. We became accredited. We brought in new management from outside. Um, so it was a, a real buzz time. It was like a new. It was like another baby for me. <laughs> that organization, mm. alongside my own kids. Yes. Mm. Well, like most people who redefine success at some point in their lives, you suffered a personal tragedy that made you question, well, everything. Tell me about that. Uh, yes, everything. I mean, first of all, it was this business. So I'd been in it for a very long time. And the first part of the issue that really hit me was um, a very large customer of ours that had been working with us for 29 years um, suddenly decided to pull their business away and take it to an alternative supplier. And they happened to be a big portfolio of ours. And so the choice that I was left with was was whether I was going to restructure or whether I was going to call it a day. And it was just sort of approaching my 40th birthday. And uh, with a very heavy heart, I decided to sell some of the turnover that was still in the organization to anybody that was willing to buy, and then the rest we liquidated. So that was a very bizarre sort of ending to my very buoyant life in that career. And then within a few months of that, my sister had a car accident. And um, in this car accident, she um, had many, many injuries that she um, suffered from, but one of which was the fact that her um, um, she became paralyzed. Her back was broken in many places, but one particular spot, the um, cut had gone straight through the spinal cord, and mm. she became paralyzed and ended up in hospital for quite a long time. And this this pushed me into sort of like a total refocus and a total sort of recontemplation because I was in that state of, okay, my career was like really, really successful. This is what I had lived for. This is what I thought success was all about. And then suddenly that slipped out of my hands. And that now I'm finding that this other part that we rely on so, so fundamentally, every morning we wake up taking our body for granted, it doesn't really occur to us that there could be a morning that we wake up and suddenly not all of it's going to be accessible to us. So mm-hmm. I started asking a lot of deep and meaningful questions like, what is human suffering about? Like the faith in my human body was now at question two. The faith in careers was at question. Um, 
and then to top it all over, then we decided to emigrate to Canada. And that emigration really, really did pull the rug out from underneath my feet because suddenly I wasn't with my friends, my family, the people that loved me. I didn't have a career that I knew or understood out here. Um, and everything I thought I had held on to suddenly was in question. And my relationship with my husband began to fall apart. And we'd been married for 22 years approximately at that point. And so it was like another reevaluation. So it was more along the lines of, why do we suffer? Why do we have problems? Why does adversity come our way? Is it just random or is there a bigger purpose to it? And so my mm -hmm. contemplation became very, very deep, yeah. Mm. So tell me about moving. Where were you before? And then why did you end up in Canada? Well, we lived in England. I was born in the southeast of England. And uh, most of my adult life, we had spent um, in an area called Surrey, a small village called Oxted. So it was a beautiful life that we led. And um, after my business um, sort of endeavors all closed, we came skiing to Vancouver. And um, we'd gone to Whistler for a couple of weeks and spent the time sort of just, just learning how to be on the fresh snow and everything. And when we came back down to Vancouver, it was like a cherry blossom, cherry blossom spring afternoon. And mm. we were down by the mountains, overlooking the water. And something, I'm not sure what made this happen, but something sort of made me feel like, wow, what a beautiful city and what a great place potentially to sort of start afresh. And is anybody interested in making a move? And that was originally how the conversation arose. And I wasn't to know that like a snowball, everybody, like the three kids and my husband were like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's go for it. And like a snowball, the idea of venturing out to a new country would, would start transpiring. But as soon as that snowball started to escalate and sort of run, come running down the field and it was like, okay, this is what we're going and doing, that's when my sister had her car accident. Oh, in England. In England, and we were still mm -hmm. in England at this time, and we hadn't moved. And, and to be truthful to you, it was like, for me, it felt like if the family hadn't been there and if we weren't there to nurture and support her through that horrific change in her life, it felt like the backbone of whatever she used to, to, and the resilience that she used to fight through for her own children may not have been in there, would, may not have transpired in the same way because we were all around her. And so now the logical idea of moving to a new country to be somewhere on my own without my family and my friends just seemed so bizarrely stupid, really. And it was like, why would I do this to myself? Um, and so I, back, I began to backpedal and think, well, okay, this is not what I want to do. And the more I backpedaled, the more my husband seemed to be even more so keen that he, we should be moving. And so I did one of those sort of eat, pray, love moments. Elizabeth Gilbert had that moment where she was on the bathroom floor screaming and yelling and sort of asking the powers to be to give us some guidance. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I had the equivalent moment. And I'm basically saying, give me a sign. I need a sign. I need to know. Because if I'm supposed to be moving to Vancouver, then I'd like it to be an easy flow and something I can understand. And if I'm staying here, then give me a sign. And I'm sort of screaming and yelling for this noise. And Almost within weeks, I got three very, very big signs that I couldn't question. And then it was like, okay, now with a heavy heart, I know that I have to move to Vancouver. And so we came here, and that is where, truthfully, the real 
sort of pieces of my life were about to unfold because I was not to know that by the time I move here, then I was going to become depressed. And mm-hmm. as a result of my depression, I was then going to start seeking for solutions that were, ev- that were the answers to these questions that I'd already begun to ask. Um, and that those solutions were going to become part of my new life and what I am destined to share and what I love to share with other people today. So the move to Canada was a very, very pivotal part of the new growth that was going to evolve for me and how I am going to be used as a vehicle to help make changes happen for other people too today. Well, I can't just leave it vague like that. What were the three signs that you received that made it so clear to you? Oh, yeah, the three signs. Well, first of all, my husband had actually um, uh, applied for a job, and the salary that they were offering him was sort of half a U- half the UK salary because we don't tend to earn quite so much out here as we do in England. And without him negotiating or anything, they actually matched his UK salary. So that was the first sign. Um, the second was that my eldest daughter was on a wait list for a school, and I think she was seventh or eighth in place for the wait list. And we just got a phone call saying that they had just moved her up, moved her to the top of the list, and had offered her a place for September, which was like literally a few weeks later. Um, and that was near Vancouver. That was in Vancouver. <laughs> in, okay. But she wanted to go to. And then I woke up on July 26th, which was the day my son was turning 10, I think, that year. And um, I just got this intuitive feeling that I should call a particular school here in Canada, in Vancouver, that I was keen for him to to go to if there was anywhere that he was going to come here for education. And I'm being told that the um, admissions director was in the process of writing an offer letter to the child that was on the top of their wait list. Mm-hmm. And then I phoned apparently just as they were about to put that um, envelope out and be mailed off. And because I made that call, they suddenly thought, okay, we're going to hold off and not send this note out and let's just evaluate this kid in England. They interviewed him over the phone. They did a variety of other exercises. They asked for his profile to be sent. And then within about two or three hours, I then got asked to send an application in because I hadn't even applied for the school yet. And then once we applied, within about five or seven minutes, um, he had an offer letter, and he was also starting school in September as well. Perfect. Um, My husband had work here. My daughter had a school here. My son had a school here. All within weeks of of this cry to life asking for signs. (laughs) Ah, well, yes, you're right. It doesn't get any more clear than that. No, that's right. And a lot of these things were perceived to be almost like the impossible, particularly the school that my son went to, because the number of exams a lot of those kids have to sit to be able to even attempt to get into that school are horrendous. Mm-hmm. And um, our child didn't even have to go through any examination process. It just flowed really easily for him. Ah, divine intervention at its finest. <laughs> Absolutely. When I met the secretary in September, she says, I've never seen serendipity come to come in operation in the way that it did for you and the way that that application happened that afternoon. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's why I know the story of the fact that they were already writing a letter out for somebody. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Well, we've got to take a short break. And when we come back, the path to inner peace and total fulfillment. Thank you. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. 
Are you ready to rise up and share all your greatness to the world? Stop playing small and settling for mediocrity? If so, then you need to join us at our eWomen Network Entrepreneur Conference and Business Expo in Dallas this year, August 3rd through the 5th. There will be hundreds of women entrepreneurs from all over the world waiting to meet you to share knowledge, wisdom, and even partnerships. Get ready to be coached by me and learn from other multi-million dollar speakers who will teach, inspire, motivate, and guide you to transform your thinking from small to big. And you can't beat the food and fun at our Saturday night dance party either. Look, no one makes it alone, so it's time to stop trying to be the COE, chief of everything, and step into your role as CEO. There is nothing like the eWomen Network Conference to bring out your genius and help you take action on living your dream. Register at eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for joining us. Back now with your host, Kate Fessler. Welcome back. You are listening to Change, Redefining Success. I'm Kate Fessler, and my guest today is professional speaker and transformation catalyst, Kindy Dulay-Gill. Kindy, you were in a pretty bad place, searching for answers. How did you discover the path that led you from chaos and loss of faith to peace and total fulfillment? Yeah, we we do a lot, don't we, to try and help ourselves. And I'm a logical person, a chartered accountant, mathematical mind, been a CEO, very, very goal-driven. So I did the, the typical things. I sort of tried to put my mind to find solutions. Um, I read and read and read lots and lots of self-help books. William, um, and I went to Deepak Chopra stuff, Wayne Dyers, Marion Williamson, Gary Renard, Eckhart Tolle, Miguel Ruiz. Mm-hmm. The list just went on and on and on. And I suddenly had this idea of like, okay, I've got these new concepts. I know that our mind can actually be in a better state. It can be positive. If it's grateful, then we can attract more. The law of attraction brings in what we're actually needing to to receive. We can co-create. So all these concepts were now suddenly feeling as though they were viable in the sense that there was a direction. But internally, I was getting more and more confused um, and more and more chaos was beginning to happen because the reality of what I was living day in, day out did not match what these books were saying were possible for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that inside there was a really, really heavy cloud over me. Um, and my stomach was churning most of the time, most days. And the amount of energy that I had was fairly non-existent. I was extremely lethargic. Um, and so what happened was I just got to the point where it was like, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm exhausted. I have read and read myself almost to death. And even though these solutions seem as though they're possible, they're not really reality for me. Um, so I gave up. And this is the key, really. It's that moment when we do let go and we sort of get out of the way. Um, and so when I had surrendered and accepted that my mind didn't know or know how to fulfill these solutions, that's when the gift came in. And so I was in Chapters, which is a local um, bookstore, and I'd gone in to pick up a dictionary for my daughter for her school, for her Spanish class. And the dictionary wasn't there. I'd paid a lot of money at the meter. I'm fumbling around, and I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to be going back to the car right now, but I've paid a lot of money, so why don't I just stay here for a little bit longer, even though I know that I'm not going to buy any more books. And I was just in the self-help section, and a book fell off the shelf. 
and it was entitled In Search of the Miraculous, um, subtitle Healing into Consciousness by Eliza Madadalian. And as this book fell, up, fell to my feet, I picked it up and I saw the title and it said In Search of the Miraculous. And there's a part of me thinking I'm still looking for my miracle. And at this point, I'm still trying to look for like miracle solutions for my paralyzed sister too, right? And I'm sort of trying to return the book from that heavy-hearted place that says I've read so much and honestly, reading isn't going to help me. And as I was trying to return the book, on the back was sort of a twist. It was a testimonial that paraphrased in my eyes, sort of said, if you've tried everything and you're still stuck, then please take me home, <laughs> right? And I'm uh-huh. like... Okay, another $23. It's not going to break the bank after the hundreds I've already spent. Let, <laughs> right. let me take you home, right? Try this again. Try it again, Let's right? See what try happens. Try again. That's right. And so I took this book home, and I and no joke, I'm on the first chapter, second paragraph, and the conversation that's unfolding is about human suffering. And I, I've just got tears rolling down my face. Because even though I'm only the second chap- second paragraph into this book, I already know that I've now just found the jackpot I'm looking for. And I'm like, there's tears and tears of like this language and this person, she totally and utterly understands mm. what we're going through as human beings. And so I put the book to one side and thought, okay, I better find out who is this author and to find out more about her. And much to my absolute delight and shock, <laughs> I discovered that she lived here in Vancouver. Mm, another sign. <laughs> yeah. And more importantly, um, she had a practical method. So as a, rather than just giving us theory for our head, she'd found mm-hmm. a practical method and created a method that, that bypassed the head and just went straight into the body and helped you to access these other grateful places that we look to try and achieve, but without the interference of the mind itself, which actually causes most of our heartache. And so I um, spent about six hours reviewing her website that evening, watched every YouTube clip that she'd ever created, read every single page back to back to back, until I got to this this place that said, you know, you can book a session. And I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm doing that. Put in my details. And I went and visited her for my first session on the 10th of October, 2008. And literally, it was like being put through a washing machine. And all this sort of dirty aspect that just wasn't working for me somehow got recycled out. Mm. And I walked away an hour and a half later thinking, what just happened? Because... I feel radically different. Like inside, I felt very light and spacious, and I felt really grounded, and I felt this sort of huge hope all of a sudden come back in. And it was like somebody had just taken these rain clouds from the top of my head and just moved them out of the way, and the Mm -hmm. sunshine was beaming back on again. Um, But I was like beaming from inside. Um, And so then my curiosity got even deeper. It's like, what was, why was something so profound possible in an hour and a half? And her method is called the Dalian method. And so I I started to get more curious and I started to um, invite friends to go and visit her and all sorts of people that I'd met here in those two years that I'd been in Vancouver. And then after a few visits where I kept showing up at her door with new people, in January, she wrote to me and said, would you like to volunteer? And I'm like, sure, I'd like to volunteer. And that became seven years of traveling all over the world with her. 
um, helping to share this work, and then we and then she modified the way that she helps people rather than just doing it one on one. Eventually, um, she created a, a self healing version, which was like a self help version that's accessible for all of us on the planet now. And that got created in 2014. And after that got created, then she trained a group of us to start facilitating the same work through um, a variety of people. So that's how I've ended up doing what I do now and how I have ended up on a, a brand new path all through the virtues of this woman, Eliza Madadalian, who's a, just a profound, profound mystic with an extraordinary gift but an, a gift that is so practical that all of us really wanted in our homes, yeah. Mm. Well, you know, funny story. After you mentioned that book to me, yeah. I found it on Amazon, and I ordered yeah. it, and yeah. it came just before we were expecting weekend guests, so I put it away somewhere, right. and I haven't seen it since. Oh, no. So I've looked for it all over the house, so instead of falling at my feet, it's hiding from me. What it's do you think that means? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one of your guests took it home because somebody else needed it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. But uh, oh, yeah, could be. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. So that's either um, no miracles for me or it's just not the time yet. <laughs> Everything is always in, always in good time, isn't it? Right? Like I shared with you, it took me two, two and a half years to hunt around and read myself to a point where I gave up. But then there comes a point when you like when you know that the surrender's taken place and there's something deeper and more meaningful that you're looking for. So mm -hmm. I don't know why your book I don't know why your book is hiding from you. I had the equivalent <laughs> story back in England where somebody had introduced me to some work that the mystic Osho um, did in India. He's he's passed mm -hmm. away now, and it took I think another five years before. Um, everything came full circle, and then again, his work was right in, right under my nose. And this mm -hmm. time, five years later, my ability to resonate with it was extremely strong. So sometimes it's about timing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, I and I think that find your book, though. <laughs> I do too. I do too. Um, so I, you know, I had a similar experience with. I think. You know, you mentioned all of the reading that you did and, and how it just wasn't helping and that you finally just gave up. And I think some people might hear that and think, well, I just want to jump from here to the place that's that's going to be the place that's going to help me. But in my experience, I think you have to go through that, 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 that period of sort of, it's almost like building up because you do get exposed to the concepts and and it's a lot a lot of for a lot of us it's the first time that you know when you pick up Wayne Dyer or Deepak Chopra or Marianne Williamson these are concepts that for a lot of people they're like I've never heard of this before right yeah. and so I think you have to lay the groundwork um yeah. before you can get that that final oh this is the one I totally agree with you because our mind needs to be educated to a new way of thinking and our mind needs to adapt and absorb what all these concepts are. But then everything then becomes a stepping stone. So once you're ready and your mind has understood the concept and then there's a part inside you that also understands, 
that the mind itself is not going to give you the solution. Mm-hmm. And that's the key, right? Because Absolutely. the mind works in duality. So it can be trained to go left and it can be trained to go right. You give it a positive thought and a stream of positivity is going to chase it. Chase it. You give, it comes up with a negative thought, a stream of negativity is going to follow. So it works in a certain way because the mechanism works that way. And the real changes that happen for us come through self-awareness and they come through growth in consciousness. And that doesn't work in that vertical plane of the mind. It's bang in the center in the zero plane. And so Mm -hmm. our education has to be deep enough for us to understand that these concepts are the way forward. And then once we know that they're the way forward, then we take that leap into that zero plane where the real transformation happens. And honestly, Kate, the real transformation, although it is absolutely life-changing and totally euphoric, it does have that degree of willingness and courage required to look at our shadow personality and look at the negative traits that we've been embodying and being willing to do something about them and being willing to actually transform them. Mm-hmm. And that starts with acknowledging that they exist. <laughs> Absolutely, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes it can be frightening to acknowledge that certain things are part of our makeup and we hadn't realized that they were. Mm-hmm. So in your workshops and the other work that you do with people, they, you really help them transform their lives. You mention awakening to a new form of communication in your head that drives trustworthy and authentic connections and how to tap into your most productive, energized and cooperative self all while transforming stress, worry, guilt and fear forever. How do you do that? Okay, so if we work from the back end of that sentence, um, so stress, worry, guilt, fear, all these things that go on inside us, if you think about yourself as a container, then within that container, you've got all these buoyant ideas and whatever you wish to actually do in life as well. Plus, you've then got all these pebbles floating around that has the worry and the guilt and the shame and the fret and the stress or whatever it might be. And that's floating around inside you as a vessel too. So if you think of yourself as a container, then what I would say to you is that some energy is going into all of that other stuff and some energy is going into whatever's going to fulfill you and whatever's creative and whatever it is that you aspire to achieve. So the first thing is, if we can tackle this drudgery, the stress, the worry, the guilt, the fear, then the minute we transform that aspect, you can see already mathematically you're freeing up energy that was being bogged down in all of this, and you're freeing it up for the other part of your life, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how you become. That's how you become much more energized. That's how you become a lot more buoyant, and that's how you become a lot lighter and a lot, lot more joyful. Because the noises that were being preoccupied by this other stuff are now quiet. Mm. And so, in order to quieten the head, so that it doesn't stress out, so that the mind doesn't worry. Then that's the point at which we then invite transformation. Because when we're worrying, there is something inside our psyche that that ha- there's a, like a conclusion or a belief that we've made that's giving us a good reason to worry. 
So that conclusion or belief that's driving you to worry is the aspect that has to be transformed out of our psyche. Mm. And, and, and this is how the Dalian method works. It will take you to the place that is very real and very honest for you, and it will say, okay, right now you are worrying. So what we need to do is allow that experience to be honored properly so that we can understand where the worry is coming from. And generally, it's a habit that we've picked up from a parent or it's been moved along from generations prior to us or it's come from something that's happened in our life where we genuinely feel that there's a reason for us to worry. And when we get into the root cause of it, we can then get, we can, through the method, through the Dalian method, create a disidentification with that conclusion or that story or that history that came from the generations prior. And that disidentification um, arises when consciousness comes forward and you've seen the lesson behind the experience. And then mm. from that point onwards, Kate, really what happens is that the cells of our body become flooded with this new heightened consciousness and this new self-aware state. The old story dislodges, and as it dislodges, the voice inside our head no longer gives it any fuel because the story is dislodged. It's almost like it disappears because the impact is so neutral. And then as the impact becomes neutral, the voice in our, stead, in our head just becomes energized with that extra energy to then become proactive in whatever it is that we want to do. So just a practical example would be like, for example, my youngest daughter, she was worried about time. In fact, she was terrified about time. When the clock went round the clock and it was like speeding up every day, as, as, as the time ticked, she would get into more of a state because she was afraid that there was not enough time. Mm. So that story of there's not enough time had a reason behind it. And in this case, it was Mada Eliza Dalian that actually helped her to dislodge from that story. And the minute she saw that there's infinite time and there is no shortage, not only did the story fall away, but also her responses changed because from that day onwards, she was not scared anymore of the clock. So from that day onwards, being at school was no longer a torture because in the classroom, every 40-minute class or every 50-minute class wasn't panicking her anymore. And therefore, she could become productive again. And she was being creative and doing her tasks and getting her work done. And her teachers came up to me and said, what have you done? Like, this is a completely different child that walked back into our classroom. Because that's how fundamental her change in behavior became. But the root of how that originated only transpired because the fear of time was eliminated from her psyche. And this is a permanent change? it is absolutely so each layer that you work with is permanent and then it's almost like you've forgotten it like if, if we then talk to my youngest daughter now about this she's got no idea that she was even that scared of time when she was nine years old right because she's now 16 so it gets mm. it gets transformed permanently and it's forgotten the story around it's all gone however what happens is that as we progress as human beings other fears or other conclusions or other beliefs that we have in our body become ready to be transformed too and then you work with the method again, and each time it's like taking a layer away that doesn't serve you, 
until you get strong enough to then deal with another layer that's sitting underneath. But the beauty is the way that matter created the Dalian method is that once you've been taught how to work with it and once you know how to use it, it becomes a lifetime tool that you have available to you at home. And when you get to a place where you feel like, okay, this is a rather a big conclusion or a rather difficult one that I don't really want to go through on my own, then we have all these facilitators that have been trained now that can help you get through that process. Hmm. Each time it's permanent. Wow, that does sound miraculous. It is. You know, like how they normally say in learning that 74% of it you're going to forget within 24 hours or 48 hours or whatever the statistic is? Mm -hmm. The beauty of this is 100% of what you gain you're keeping forever, right? So the motivation for people to do this work becomes really, really strong once they get a taste of it because they know that their own life is just radically changing day in, day out towards something that is much more of what we all really, really want deep-seatedly. Deep we all want to feel fulfilled. We all want to feel peaceful. And we want to also sort of live out our purpose, whatever that might be. And the nice thing about this is that it keeps revealing what our purpose is as we go through into our body. Mm, brilliant. Well, I think I know the answer to this, but I ask all my guests, so I'll ask you too. What one book or resource changed your life that you'd recommend to people? Um, so you've already heard about In Search of the Miraculous by Eliza Madadalian, and the subtitle is Healing into Consciousness. So that book fundamentally and utterly just revolutionized my life, plus the method itself. Um, which is now available in a self-help version. Um, but going back a step, just so that people understand how I started this journey, the very first book that got me really, really fired up in terms of understanding how much sabotage our head really creates was The Four Agreements by Miguel Ruiz. Mm -hmm. um, because in that, there's four very simple concepts that help us to see that everybody's reaction has nothing to do with us personally, that the power of our voice and our word has so much power. So that book was the first one that sort of woke me up. And then I went down the path of a variety of other new books and the um, Eckhart Tolle's New Earth was part of that. But the needle in the haystack has to be um, where I've ended up with In Search of the Miraculous and then all of the supporting material that I've read um, that was spoken by Osho when he was alive. Um, because literally there's no concept, of no, no logical-based concept, no practical-based concept, no etheric-based concept that hasn't yet been covered in his conversations in the books that he's left behind for us. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. So you can almost Google anything, like what is individuality, what is personality, what is religion, why is religion a problem, is religion a problem, um, why do we suffer? Like there's almost any concept that you could just ask for and Google search, and then his words will have something extremely valuable to add that will always mm. enlighten you and help expand your life. Well, that's a great recommendation because I have never heard of him. So is it? O-S-H-O? How do you spell that? That's right. Yeah, that's right. O-S-H-O. Um, it, it was in his company, through all of his guidance, 
that Madder actually had her own awakening experience. Okay. So, so he was the conduit that helped her to become as as amazing as she is. Um, and then she, in turn, has then been helping us ever since. Hmm. Now, can people get the self-help version of that from you, or do they need to get that from her? Um, you, well, you can go anywhere. I mean, the best way really would be to go to her. If you come to my site, you'll always find links that take you back to Maddo's site okay. so that you know, so that there's always a trace going back to her. Um, but if anybody wants to go directly to her site, it's available on madadalian.com. So that Madder is spelled M-A-D-A, and then Dalian is D-A-L-I-A-N.com. So okay. obviously all of her tools are available on her site. And those of us that have become facilitators also have links on our sites that take you back to her. Got it. Well, you have a free gift on your website, a free report entitled How to Have a Happy, Loving, and Peaceful Family Life, Five Secrets to Feeling Whole. That sounds like something everyone would want. Tell me about that report and what led you what led you to create it and what has the response been? Um, so what led me to create it was each of us that came to Matter originally um, have, have our own individual stories as to what we wanted healing in our own lives and what wasn't working for us. And so I briefly mentioned at the beginning of this interview that my relationship with my husband had got to a bit of a dire state when I was falling into my depression. Um, mm -hmm. And so I had a real key motivation to want to have a better, better family set of circumstances because we would easily lock heads and get into arguments with one another and we wouldn't necessarily find the tools through language um, to be able to connect better. Mm -hmm. And so every time I've gone through um, the Dalian method and taken more and more layers away from my old psyche, um, the relationship that I have with my husband and with my children has just progressively got better and better. And to be fair, they also have then been working with the method themselves too. And so any of the trigger points or the points where they fall over, they've been addressing and dealing with in their own speed at their own time too. Mm -hmm. So as a family unit, instead of just passing on, instead of us having these patterns that aren't serving us and then us passing them on to our children, what, what we've been doing proactively for the last eight years is looking to see, okay, this is where so-and-so is falling over and this is where I'm falling over, so I'm going to take responsibility for it and I'm going to address it and I'm going to deal with it. And as we grow in consciousness, our communication with one another gets better, our ability to be receptive to each other's blind spots is getting easier, and our honesty and authenticity is basically very, very high. Um, so there's, there's hardly anything that goes on in our individual lives that the rest of us don't know about because we're so free and not afraid to be completely honest with what's going mm. on because we're constantly dealing with our fears. Um, so this little ebook that I created has come from my own journey with the Dalian Method and with my own journey with my own family as to what I've learned that constituted the key areas as to why a family falls over in its communication and where we get the odd hiccups that arise 
particularly when we have children that go through that teenage phase when they're attempting to sort of create their own identity and they're trying to sort of stamp their own authority but yet haven't really moved into becoming adults. So mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes on during that phase. And so this little ebook is designed to give you a hint as to the key attributes that cause us to fall over and then the subsections of what we need to address to be able to then keep that unity and harmony in that family going. Um, so that's why it's sort of like my individual contribution comes from that part, that part of the pain that I experienced. And I'm hoping to try and bring some of the guidance to my fellow people that have their families and they would like there to be a little bit more harmony in their world. Yeah, well, it sounds like a perfect gift for Mother's Day <laughs> coming well, up idea. soon. Yes, that's a good idea. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and it's a free download, so it's it's really easy to just pick it off my website. It's on the front home page, um, which is available on kindigil.com. So that's K-I-N-D-I and then the last name G-I-L-L.com. Um, and it's always my pleasure right, to be able to share this material and even have conversations with people because I offer like half an hour free consultations just to talk through what's going on in somebody's life. And if there's something that I can give them as a quick tool that they can use on their own, then I'll happily do that during that half an hour. And if there's some guidance that they need in terms of being able to use the dial-in method, then I'll share that too. Excellent. Well, thank you for your time today, Kindy. I really appreciate it. This has been really, really informative. Um, if people would like any or all of that information that you've just shared, they can find that at your website, kindygill.com. That's right. Thank you for having me here, Kate. It was really, really, real a delight to be able to share all this with you. And whoever yes. out there hears our voices, well, um, I'm, I'm happy for them too, because any transformation to help improve our, the quality of our lives is well worth sharing. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Thanks so much, Kindy. Thank you, Kate. I hope you enjoyed this week's program. If there's a particular topic you'd be interested in hearing about, go to my Facebook page, First Class Life Solutions, and let me know. Next week, my guest will be legacy wealth strategist, speaker, and best-selling author, Chris Miller. Celebrated by audiences nationwide as a thoughtful, engaging, and generous teacher, best-selling author Chris Miller speaks about financial freedom, second chances, and how to thrive in an uncertain economy. Her life is centered on service to others and is built on the foundation of her own second chance. Mansions and forest fires, number one records, and a 3,000-mile barefoot journey across America. One million dollars of chemotherapy and an enduring legacy. Building and protecting people's financial security. Chris's stories are at once heartbreaking and uplifting. Along the way, Chris has saved more than 6,000 families from tragedy and financial ruin. I hope you'll join me. Until then, here's to your authentic first-class life. I'm Kate Fessler. Thanks for listening to Change, Redefining Success. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at ewnpodcastnetwork.com.